0: Hey guys, welcome to the One Life Church podcast. We're so glad you're joining us today and we hope this message encourages you and strengthens your faith. Enjoy the message. This time of year always holds a a special place for me. And I don't know, like Christmas and New Year's might hold a special place for you too. But firstly, as a business owner and partner in a business for the last 20 odd years, I find this time of year is a time where I can really just disconnect from my normal and regular activity. It's a time where I can disengage from the normal humdrum of running a business and having staff and dealing with customers too. You know, customers' expectations. People have expectations. People want their vehicles repaired in a certain amount of time. Secondly, for me, it's a time where I can really spend um, intentional time with family and also with friends that we're close to as well time where we can just let our guard down, relax, be ourselves and spend time with those that we love. And who knows that when we do spend time with those that we love at that time of year we we tend to extend a little bit more grace in relationship as well. And uh you know, maybe relationships with some family members can get a little bit tenuous, but when we come to this time of year we send, tend to extend some more grace towards other people. And finally for me, why this time of year is so good is because I get to indulge my culinary table. I don't know about you, but I get to eat things that I don't normally eat any other time of the year as well. Um, Licorice all sorts. Um, It wasn't Christmas this year because we didn't go anywhere where there were licorice all sorts. We did a shop a couple of days ago and had to get a packet of licorice all sorts. Now Christmas is done and New Year's is done. Uh, I was lucky enough to get some apricot chutney from Murray. Uh, And let me tell you, Muzz, apricot chutney on leg ham, beautiful, beautiful. And also, Janet Kubowitz provided us with a lovely fruitcake as well. So these things that we get to enjoy this time of year. You know, but as every year comes and every year passes, there's one thing that I'm starting to realize. I'm turning 50 this year. And, And with every passing year, I'm discovering that, There's less time to do stuff. Assuming that I'm going to live to 100 years of age, I could say I'm halfway. But not to be morbid at all, but the the chances are and the stats are probably not in my favour. So every year it passes, I think about the time that I have left to do things that I want to do. But I'm wondering if anyone else has ever found this. In life, quite often, the things that we have to do push out the things that we want to do. Do you find that as well? I often find that to be the case in my life as well. And uh, I, I often wonder, why can't we just go back to a time where things were just a lot simpler? When you are a kid, things were so much simpler. You know, the years seemed to go on forever. Holidays seemed to last forever. 50 cents would buy you enough lollies to, you know, feed every kid on the street, in your street, and then some. You know, things just seemed to be a lot easier and a lot simpler when I was younger and um, why did everything have to seem to get more demanding and why did striving have to become such a part of my life well this is growing up this is adulting they say there's responsibilities and things that come our way as as we grow and as we as we go on in life I go back to a time in In 1983, uh, I was in year three at Howlong Public School in the deep south of New South Wales. Uh, Population of 500 people, not a big place. And uh, I was in year three and Miss McVeigh was my teacher. And uh, and Miss McVeigh was a woman by my calculations, probably in her early 30s. Uh, She wore way too much makeup. It was absolutely plastered on. Um, And she had a fetish for those acrylic nail extensions. You know what I'm talking about, ladies? Men don't know what I'm talking about. Acrylic nail extensions and they're always bright, bright cherry red. And she had this, I don't know, disposition, call it what you want, but whenever we were doing something that she didn't approve of, she would sort of come up behind you as you're sitting at your desk and, and she would actually stick one of those nails in this little fossa area here from behind. You know that little dimple in here, that, that little fossa there? And she, and she would push it in there. And it was, let me tell you, that used to hurt. One other thing that she used to get us to do was to open up our exercise books and get a government issue ruler. You remember the little wooden government issue rulers? And we'd have to put it on the inside edge of the page on the spine. And with a red pen, do a line from top to bottom and make a margin. And I used to think to myself, what a waste of a piece of paper. Why do we need to put a margin on the page? You know, but we used to have to put a margin in these books. And uh, Miss McVeigh, if you are listening to this at a later stage, just be assured that God loves you and I forgive you. For many of us who are caught up in this Western culture that we live in, um, living a life with some sort of margin and, and restraint is often something that's very foreign to us. And Take shopping, for instance. The lead up to Christmas uh, saw so many people frantic down at the supermarket. You know, our supermarkets close, I believe, for maybe two days every year around Easter and, and, uh, and Christmas time. And yet people seem to carry on like the shops are never going to open again. Yet in Jewish culture and in Jewish custom, it doesn't just happen once or twice a year. It happens every single week. Every single week, the shops close down. Every single week, people cease from their work. In actual fact, the the Jewish word, uh, Hebrew word is Shabbat. Uh, Anyone that's watching The Chosen would know and be familiar with that word. We might call it Sabbath. It means to cease from, to stop, to not do anything. Any more work, and this is taken and and is recognised by the Jewish people because God rested on the seventh day. Interestingly enough, today in our Gregorian calendar is the seventh day of the year. Nothing to do with anything Jewish, but I just find it's coincidence that I'm talking about this today, and it's day seven. Genesis two one to three said, "So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished His work of creation, so He rested." From all his work, go God. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from his work of creation. For the Jewish people from sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday, no work. And they'll gather in in family homes or people might invite people into their homes. They'll light candles and they'll, they'll share a special Shabbat meal together. They will sing songs, they will read the Torah and uh, they'll spend time reflecting on what God did for Israel and God rested on this day and so they rest about it as well. Talk about a margin. Every single week, stopping work, stopping everything and being so intentional about pressing in to God and reserving time for Him. I was listening to a podcast earlier in the week uh, some people might be familiar with the guys from the Bible Project. Big plug for the Bible Project. Uh, Tim Mackey and John Collins—they do amazing presentations and uh, make the Bible uh, quite open for a lot of different people. And uh, I was—I was listening to this episode, and they were talking about a time when Tim was living in Jerusalem with his wife Jessica, and uh, they—they didn't—they uh, didn't actually honor the Sabbath day themselves when they were there, but. They'd find that when Jessica would get home from work on a Friday afternoon, they would go down to the old market. They only lived a couple of streets away from it. And they would start to buy things for their weekend. And about 30 minutes out from uh, the Sabbath starting, uh, some Orthodox Russians would come out, Jewish Russians, Orthodox Jewish Russians would come out with these footlong trumpets and start marching up and down the aisles of the market, blowing these trumpets and they said some people were really quite happy about that and some people weren't so happy about this. Guess it depends how close you were to those trumpets when they're blasting. But it happened again at 20, 20 minutes out and then 10 minutes out and then right on sundown, a siren would go off all throughout Jerusalem and it would get real, real quiet. You know, for us, that seems like a really extreme thing to do. I like what Isaac Henny had to say about work. He said, Work is a good thing, both created by God and practiced by Him. And yet many of us remain convinced that if we stop working, our lives will fall apart. It's got some people in society and and it's hard to get them working, but you've got the other extreme where we always find that we keep ourselves busy, 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 busy. There's always something to do. There's always something to attend to. There's always something that needs some sort of attention. And for us, sometimes it can be very hard just to switch off. And just to sit down and and to disconnect from our daily routine and allow ourselves some space and some margin to actually spend time in God's presence, and yet this is the God that we serve is is wanting us to be still. He's wanting us to draw aside. He's wanting us to spend time with Him. But in our society, sometimes that can be a very hard thing to do. And I've got to I've got to confess today that over this break that that has been between finishing it at work and and having some time off over the new year I found it extremely hard just to not do anything I've see all these jobs around the home and around the yard that I that I I've been putting off for so long and and it's like great I can smash that job out the gates fixed now hey the hedges are cut the lawns mowed you know this has been attended to that's been attended to and Rochelle had said to me a couple of days after I'd been doing this, she said, hey, when are you just going to take some time out? And I said, oh, no, no, it's good. We've got plenty of time left. I'll, I'll just keep on doing some things, you know. And, and our daughter arrived. Amelia arrived. And she's living away from home at the moment. She arrived home. And, and after a day or two, she says, Dad, when are you just going to sit down? And I got a reality check and was like, what am I doing? So busy, so consumed. So many things that need attending to, and yet you can miss the main thing of just sitting and having fellowship with God and having fellowship with one another. See, work and busyness can give us the illusion that we are the masters of our own time. We're in control. Each one of us is given 168 hours every week. Some of us meter it well, some not so well. But we're all given the same amount of time, and we can get this sense that we are in control. And we are the custodians of our own life and destiny. It can give us that sense of, you know, nobody can take things away from me. Our daily rhythms, schedules and habits can deceive us into believing we are in control of our lives believe we strive for stability, is what we're doing. We're we're trying to strive for stability. We're trying to strive for peace. We're trying to strive to provide for our families and and our households. It's all in an effort for us to try to keep it together. That's all we're doing. We're just trying to keep it together. But see, in the process of us trying to keep it together, sometimes it just starts falling apart because we don't, allow the margin for God to be God in our lives and this is something that that as we approach this year 2024 uh, I, I, I just believe this is a word that God has spoken to me and will be an overarching theme for us moving forward as a church and that is two words and that is make room I believe God's calling us as a church as a community of believers to make room for his presence in our lives to make room for His harvest to come and, and for the harvesters to come and, and and to bring people that are perishing in this world into a relationship with Jesus Christ, to make room for us as a body of believers to have grace and love and humility with one another, to allow room in our lives that, that we can be a diverse people and yet we can still walk in unity together. We need to make room and I believe God wants us to make room when we think about creating margin in our lives I believe we need to look to the word of God and and there's one man that I believe there's plenty of people in the Bible but there's one man that I want to look at today and that is King David and King David was no stranger to life getting busy and 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 you know, for us, things getting off center and, and trying to pull things in and trying to hold things together, yet there's things that are beyond our control. And I believe that King David got this um, in many seasons and areas of his life. You think about King David, he was an overlooked son. He was an overlooked son. You know, when Jesse was told by Samuel to bring the sons out, he, he wasn't even presented there. He was off caring for the sheep, disregarded son. When he does get anointed king, the the king at the time, Saul, tries to continually take his life from him because he's so jealous and full of rage. And you know, when he actually gets his kingship, one of his actual wives despises him for carrying on so you know, flamboyantly in front of the Ark of the Covenant. There's so many things that, that, that went against him. Absalom, his son, actually tried to usurp the throne and, 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 you know, chase David. And there was war between David's own family. There were so many things that happened. And yet we come around this psalm, Psalm 23. The Lord's my shepherd. It's something that, that David came back to, realizing who his God was to him. We're going to read... Psalm 23, only six verses. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honour me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in the house forever. David and King David was no stranger to what it meant to be a shepherd. As a, a shepherd himself, he knew what it meant when, you know, he had to find good pasture for his sheep. He had to feed his sheep. He had to tend for his sheep. Not only that, he had to be on guard for his sheep. Even, even at night as as the flocks were sleeping, the shepherd would stay watch and, and keep an eye on what was happening over the flock, make sure there was no animals around. He even even in, in Samuel, we hear how he went and he, he pursued a bear and, and a lion. And so he wasn't afraid to intercede and intervene on behalf of his flock he gets this picture of our father as a shepherd and Jesus himself in the gospel said that he is the good shepherd himself but the Lord is his shepherd he said he has all that he needs irrespective of of this pursuit in life to to own and to occupy and to dwell and to exist and to and to provide He was able to come to a place where he said, God will provide. He's my shepherd. He's the one that leads me. He's the one that guides me. He's the one that takes me to these places. So if any of us are are taking notes this morning, the first thing I believe that we need to do in, in helping us to make room for his margin in our life is we need to recognize. We need to recognize that we are unable to control every aspect of our lives. And let me tell you, as a control freak, that is tough i tend to be someone that likes to control things i like predictability i don't like unpredictability i like to know what's going to happen you see life's not like that life's anything but like that we can make plans the bible says but the lord will direct the best intents of mice and men often go away. There's so much in life that happens to us that we have absolutely no control over. And I believe that King David recognized that. He recognized that he's unable to control every aspect of his life. He's unable to control every relationship. He's unable to control every single dynamic within all that he had jurisdiction over. He realized that he was not the master of his own universe. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. I like this quote from Matthew Henry and he says I shall be supplied with whatever I need and if I have not everything I desire I may conclude it is either not fit for me not good for me or I shall have it in due time. Such a good quote. How often in life do we wrestle and do we struggle with the will and plan of God and we go well if it's good enough for someone else to have this in their life, then it's good enough for me to take hold of this. We can often get ahead or behind or in front of God. Yet when we see God as the, our provider, as the one that knows exactly what we need at exactly the right time, we can come to a place where we can rest. As David said, he leads me in these places of rest. He causes me to lay down. And and for many of us, I believe that that. If we don't get it sometimes, God will cause things to happen in our life that will force us to lay down. We have no say in the matter. He wants us as his sheep to have confidence that he's a good shepherd and that he'll provide for us. And if we don't have it at this point in time, just as Matthew Henry says in that quote, perhaps we just need to reassess what it is that we're looking for and whether it's really for us. Secondly, I believe what we need to do is we need to renounce. We need to renounce our own independence from God. And I believe that's what David was doing in this psalm. He said, he lets me rest. He leads me beside. He renews my strength. He guides. See, the thing about sheep is they're a pretty dumb animal. Yet we get referred to as Sheep. One thing that sheep are prone to doing is going astray, getting off the path. We drove down to Ralston last week and lo and behold, there were sheep in the paddock. And guess what? There was a sheep on the road. They have this tendency to get off track, to, 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 to go away. And maybe, maybe I know better. Maybe, maybe this area is for me. Maybe this is what God has opened up for me. Look, oh gosh, there's a hole in the fence. Let's go through it. And all the time where we're not walking in step with the shepherd, he lets me rest. He leads me beside. See, I think, myself included, we do well to renounce our independence from God. We need him. We need the Father. We need the shepherd. We need to follow him. We need to be led by him. Help us, Lord. And I believe in that as well while we're renouncing. I believe that we need to maintain a right margin in our lives to be corrected. When that time comes, whether we've got off course, we need to maintain a level of humility in our lives where we're open to being corrected and being brought back on. Because sometimes when we get off in our own tangent, in our own thoughts, you know, when someone says, Yeah, I'm, look, I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe you, you, you know, I'd like to share a scripture with you. Maybe can I pray with you? You know, we need to be open to being brought back on course again. And that's what I want to encourage us with today as well. Pastor Jack Hurdich, that uh, pastored this church with his wife, Nolan, many years ago had a saying he said, He who goes alone goes weird. And it is so true. People that go alone in this world go weird. If you don't believe me, get. Castaway and watch Castaway. Tom Hanks went nutty. Well, the same thing happens when we get off on track and we don't allow God to bring us into the fold, bring us into the flock, bring us into the community to be nurtured, to be cared for, to be loved. Renounce our independence from God. The third thing I believe we need to do is we need to resolutely cling to Christ. And continually make room for him in our lives. The Apostle Paul said, I don't have the scripture on the screen in Galatians two twenty. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. And I live in this earthly body by trusting in this this Son that that, that gave his life for me. See, after we've recognized that that God is our shepherd, after we have renounced our independence, we need to also be people that continue to resolutely cling to Christ. Because without Him, we're snookered. He is the gateway. He is the narrow way. And we need to continue to hold on to Him. There's a song uh, that has been around for quite a few years, Titled Rock of Ages. And uh, some people might be familiar with that song. Um, it was written by a guy by the name of uh, Augustus Toplady. Sorry, I have it written down here. Augustus Toplady. And legend has that this song, um, Rock of Ages, was written when he found himself in a storm in, in some part of England and for refuge he hid between a cleft in a rock. He clung into that rock. And so It's such a a great image for us to be people that just cling to Christ. He's the rock. Don't be dissuaded by other things that we see happening in this world. Don't be enticed away by by new thoughts and things like that. Let's come back to what the Word of God declares. Let's continue to center our lives in Christ. Let's continue to trust in Him and cleave and cling to Christ. I just want to share a couple of verses out of this. Verse 2 out of The Rock of Ages says this, Not the labors of my hands can fulfill thy law's demands. Could my zeal no respite? No, could my tears forever flow? All for sin could not atone. Thou must save and thou alone. The first part of the third stanza says, Nothing in my hand I bring simply to the cross I cling. Such powerful words. When we think about those pronouns of us being that person that, that knows that there is no labour, there is nothing, the striving that we do, the things that we, we, we seem to prioritise in our life, are but nothing if we don't have Christ. And I want us as, as a church to embrace this margin of rest that God has for us, the the ability for us to rest in Him, the ability for us to cleave to Him, to have margin in our lives, to make room for Him. I wanted to finish with one quote uh, by Matthew Henry again. He says, if God's goodness to us be like the morning light, which shines more and more to the perfect day, let not ours be to Him, like the morning cloud and the early dew that passes away. See, we deserve to give God our best. We deserve to put God first in our lives. And as we approach this new year, church, I just want to encourage us to be people that make room for Him. Be people that make room for what He wants to do in us individually, but also us corporately as well, as we continue to push into the heart of God. Let's be ones that rest in Him and make margin in our lives, make room in our lives to walk in Him and in Him alone. Father, we want to give You thanks for Your Word. We give You thanks for Your Spirit at work in our lives. And Father, we just want to pray that You would help us throughout this year, throughout 2024, and as we explore, Lord, resting in You and what You've already done for us and provided for us. Lord, help us to learn from You. Lord, as you have said, that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. Help us to be ones, Lord, that are obedient to you. Help us, Lord, to recognize those things within us that we need to let go. Help us to recognize those things in you which we need to take a hold of. Father, if it means getting down on our knees and down on our face before you at some stage in the next day or two, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would move upon hearts and you'd move upon lives. Lord, let there be a recalibration and a reconstruction of your best for each one of us, Lord, in terms of our time that we spend in your presence. And Lord God, with the heart that we want to serve you with today, we give you all the praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.